0: Hey, if you are a fan of the Belonging Factor podcast, you are going to love the Belonging Factor book. My new book, Belonging Factor How Great Brands and Great Leaders Inspire Loyalty, Build Community, and Grow Profits, is now available. So get on Amazon, order your copy today ebook, audiobook, paperback, hardcover. We've got you covered no matter what your preference. Hey, hello, and welcome. It's another edition of the Belonging Factor podcast, and this is always a pleasure to be able to be with you, have you listening and checking out what we're doing here on the Belonging Factor. Really excited to have you here from Alan Schaefer today. Amazing interview, amazing person doing some really, really cool work around true collaboration in the workforce. And Alan has, in this episode, an exclusive giveaway for The Belonging Factor listeners. And it's a really, really cool kind of behavioral index, almost. Uh, not that not that his organization or even at The Belonging Factor were about putting people into boxes, but it's always helpful to get a little bit of insight on yourself and those around you. And Alan and his team have taken what they're your trademark product is, and are offering it to each of you for free. And so give a listen in the episode. Alan talks a lot about it, but also check the show notes because you're going to have all of the information you need to take advantage of this amazing, cool tool at no cost. So super, super neat treat from the belonging factor to you and obviously from Alan to all of us. So let's dive right in right now. Waste no more time. Here's the interview with Alan Schaefer, CEO of Banding People Together. Welcome. Thanks for joining us, Alan. I
1: feel like I'm belonging already. (laughs) Thanks for having me, man.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, So, listen, for for those who may not be familiar with some of Alan's background and work, I'm going to ask him to share, but I'll just tee this up really quickly. I've had the opportunity to work in the past with Alan's group as a participant in some of the amazing things that they've been able to do. And so I've watched firsthand, not just the experience that happens during the sessions that lead to some of these awakenings, but then what happens afterward is these things continue to live and and take shape out in the workforce. And that's, the biggest catalyst for Alan asking you to come and join today is to to help share that and open up some dialogue and share some of that perspective with all of the listeners at the Belonging Factor podcast. So uh, if, if that endorsement rings strong, I hope wow. it, I hope that's, that's good for you. But m- most time. importantly, it's been good for me and the teams that I've been able to be a part of that used it. So why don't you share a little bit about your background with us? Get us up to speed.
1: Yeah, you know, if, if you would have ever told me I would be doing this type of work in my life, uh, I would have said you're crazy. I was uh in full transparency uh, an early dot commer. Uh, 1993, my twin brother and I, uh, who were still just young band guys, we started a uh, concert information resource called tourdates.com to give the little guys a chance because we were the little guys. And then uh in 19 uh ni- yeah, 1994 we went online. We starved for six years. Uh, actually, 1995, we were told the internet was fad at the NASDAQ International Business Plan Competition. Cannot make that up. And then um, starved until 2000, and then we were successfully acquired by a company called Launch Media, that then got bought by Yahoo. And after after the uh, leaving and, and helping to oversee the integration, I thought, okay, what's next? So I started going to Nashville because I wanted to become the best songwriter that I could become because, you know, if you're going to be a rock star or a rock band, you know, you know, you need songs. And so, um, formed the band five star Iris. Uh, my wife came up with the name flower that grows well under adverse conditions, which seemed perfect. And then, um, I started having some problems with the band shocker and the CEO <laughs> of a company called city search at the time. And, uh, uh a guy named Briggs Ferguson, who's now actually part of our team here at banding. Uh, he said, man, there's this book I think you should read that would really help you. And what is Patrick Lencioni's five dysfunctions of a team. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm reading the book. And as I'm reading the book, I go, Oh my gosh, we're screwed. And it's all (laughs) them. They don't want it as badly as I do. And they don't, they're not as talented as I am. And they, they're not doing what I say. What what I'm telling them to do, and they're not doing what I'm asking. You know, by the way, in retrospect, it turns out (laughs) that collaboration is not beating your idea into other people. I don't know if you you or any of your listeners know that. Um, And so I, you know, as the band kind of ran its course, I wasn't really ready to accept my role in the dynamic or the lack of result. Uh, But I was very perplexed, and I became obsessed with this very particular question. Why do some bands make it? why do some bands fail, you know? And uh, so in this quest for trying to figure that out, it led me to awareness work. And that's where I had the staggering realization that it wasn't the rest of the band, that it was actually me. Uh, so on a leadership level, yeah. Bitter pill, bitter, bitter, bitter pill. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not, it's, it's not you. It's me. Like, as like a breakup. And, uh, and ultimately, um, I became a student of all things, awareness, psychology, team theory, complexity, some economics, uh, anything that was measuring behavior in any way, leadership, organizational development, and I just fell down a rabbit hole. And so on some dramatic level, you know, banding exists so that, uh, what happened to my band doesn't happen to others, which was. We were basically a solo project in band's clothing.
0: Ah, and interesting that, to think about. That,
1: yeah, and that's, that's why there was a cap to how far we could get, because right. we had talent, we had connections, we had a great sound, we had a great look, but there was a, a limit. And so, you know, uh, and it's not that we didn't like each other. But still was derailing, and so I set out so to we build like, a So we can down.
0: like each other. We can we can all be working towards the same goal. Yet we can still not achieve it.
1: Oh man! Oh. Yeah, now you're talking. Yeah, I'll <laughs> tell you what. I I love it. I I have like, you know prospective uh, client partners that will say, "Man, we're we're great at collaborating. We really like each other." And what this really screams to is this what I believe is just just a, a profound lack of understanding as to what collaboration is, what the real benefit is mm. beyond, Hey, we're just going to have better ideas or everyone's going to be included And Kumbaya. Um, this is about optimization. This is about getting more done effectively, efficiently. It's how we share information. It's how we show up as individuals. It's the conditions we create. And so, so understanding, that we're collaboratively insane for starters is, is kind of the path is what I believe. So in order to fix the problem, I think you have to understand the problem.
0: Yeah. Always define it first. Right. Uh, and define yeah. it accurately. Right.
1: Yeah. And yeah. And, and so, so when we talk about defining the problem, so I, for starters, I think the problem is who the heck knows what collaboration is. So there's a subjectivity, like we all have this different idea of what is collaborative and what's not collaborative. And so I would suggest that subjectivity is the, uh, the polar opposite of clarity and clarity is where the magic happens on every level of humanity in the optimization game and in an organization.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and so to, to that end, so figuring out how you uh, how you took where you were trying to solve for your dynamics in your band and how you kind of created that to what it is today. Like, what was that path?
1: <laughs> you know, that's a great question I, I call it my reese's peanut butter uh cup moment okay. you know taking two. Th- you know there was a time there were probably putting chocolate and peanut butter together was probably a little nuts and insane and i just didn't know any better and so after i went down this rabbit hole and i learned about this thing called corporate team building and i hmm. went well I got to do something. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to be another flavor of this team building thing. I'm going to go into corporate America and I'm going to teach people how to write songs. And then someone said, well, you're going to need an instructional designer. I'm like, man, what is that? Let me, <laughs> let me Google that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, and so we, we put together, you know, I hired a, an instructional designer and we put together a, a course and where we taught songwriting as, as a way of alignment and, and working together and it wasn't really enough. And, um, I, I wanted to be able to make a, 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 deeper impact. Just look, you know, you show up as a, you, with a bunch of charismatic band guys and band gals, you get happy sheets, people have fun, you That's know, it. you can exceed expectations and not suggesting people didn't get anything out of it, but you know, we weren't, we weren't going deep. And, uh, so then I had this, um, epiphany that I wanted to, uh, measure collaboration on an individual team and organizational level, which I don't that, know how that's that pretty happened.
0: aspirational.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Both swing for the fence. May, uh, may as well. kind of bolt out of the blue type of idea. And uh, I found a PhD that was not too, um, freaked out to partner with a crazy band guy, a guy named Dr. Brandon Sullivan, who's now actually, uh, University of Minnesota Carlson business school. Oh, great! I said, doc, Keep me honest, man. I want to do this. Is there anything out there? He says no, in his Minnesota way. Oh no! And I said, uh, "Well, can we build it?" He goes, "Oh yeah, sure." <laughs> like so, we got after it, and um, it was really great. So imagine band guy like me uh, hanging out on a you know weekly basis with this rock star PhD, just. Like learning, 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 learning and learning and really understanding on a level that I never thought possible. And so then we developed something called the Cloud Farm Index. And then from there, uh, you know, we were more in the training space and still doing the team building stuff. And then that really wasn't enough. And then we evolved further into a boutique consultancy. And so really, it's kind of two parts of what we do on the banding and event side. That's all the learning programs, team building, keynotes and stuff. Uh, and that's the introduction, but to actually implement it so or, or to operationalize it into a business, that's really the consulting side. Well I, and I don't like to refer to us as consultants. i I believe we're producers. We're just there to help artists make a record in the way of whatever result they're trying to get. Ah, that's, so, that's, so that's how we got here
0: that, and that that's a great way to think about um for anybody who's helping facilitate, uh, a change of any kind. So, you know, a lot of the folks who are listening today uh, are leaders or managers within uh, a team or within uh, an organization, and to think about just the, the idea that, hey, you're a producer. You're not you're you're not trying to do anything, but take what people have in their capabilities and their natural styles, and figure out how to put all of those things together in a way that the entire group moves forward. And delivers better or faster or more of what it is that you're looking for. That's a really cool way to, to think about it. I, obviously, it, it uh, band, banding and, and producer and music that all makes sense.
1: Yeah. So I, I was just going to just tell you really quickly, relative to the producer piece. You know, I've worked with a lot of producers, and I've also worked with what I call reducers, right? And, you know, there are a lot of reducers, you know, the reducers are the ones that uh, when you don't play the part right the first time, they want to take the tar out of your hand and do it themselves. Or they want to bring in a studio player because you want to try something different or because they've made hit records a certain way. If you challenge the way that they make hit records, then you're now a difficult artist. And then there's producers. And those are the ones that you really want to work with. Mm-hmm. When you work with a producer, just like a great leader, you are a better person you are a better artist you are a better band after you go through the process doesn't mean it's all sunshine sunshine daisies and bunnies but you know you you go through this process where the process feels so good that the result uh, a good result is just imminent and expected right and the way and the way that they do that is very simple they create an environment where everyone has a voice. Where everyone's contributing on a way that is meaningful to them, where also you don't get penalized or put in time out for trying things that didn't work because that's or you'd never make a great record, right? And everyone's aligned around, hey, what kind of record are we making? But like in a no kidding fashion, which really, you know, maybe in in an organization we call shared purpose. And that's what a producer does.
0: Could you imagine, and and I don't want to maybe get too deep on on the rock and roll side of things here, but who's a band that everybody, the Beatles, that's a band everybody knows, right? Could you imagine Sergeant Pepper and what that process for that album must have been like in the studio and the trust and confidence of a producer to allow all of this experimentation to happen with the artist's and challenging them to just fine push it let's see what happens I mean that's one of the most iconic albums of all time not just because of the 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 image on the the jacket but because of the recording techniques that were developed in trying to create these sounds the uh, the production process in general I mean that that's certainly a result of a producer not a reducer
1: Yeah. And then I'll tell you, um, because I've read a good bit on, and and I think, I think this is a great metaphor that the producer and leader, um, look as a leader, our job is to create the optimal conditions. So our people can be their best selves and do what they do. Great. Right. That's what a producer does. And so conditions drive the results. And so I think, I don't think it's just up to the leader to create the conditions. I think it's, I, I think, I think it's up to the leader in many cases to get the party started, but it's actually up to everybody.
0: I I couldn't, could not agree more. And where the bridge that has to happen is, I mean, maybe I'll just ask this question. How the hell do we know what to do to, to actually like collaborate as the individual, as the band member, as the, as the person on the team, how do it, like, I don't remember ever being taught how to be a good collaborator.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, so man, so, so you just nailed it. And, and I will tell you for, for everyone listening, this is really at the core of what I call collaborative insanity, right? This notion that we're all expected to work together in some way that's meaningful. And just because the boss says, I need you to work together better uh, means you can do it. That's crazy. And so there's really three, three reasons that keep us from, from getting to that spot. Um, we've never been taught, right? So yes, we've. if you've played sports, some of you out there might go, yeah, but what about sports teams? Yes, you have to work together, but I'm going to suggest we're not taught some way of working together that is universal, that can be transferred to other environments and disciplines, right? So it's a very subjective idea of like, hey, if the coach might think that collaboration is... Um, when you drop the ball, you run laps. I mean, that's because you let down your teammate. I mean, it could be a number of different things, right? Secondly, there's no universally accepted norms or rules of the road. So like, if you think about why cars crash, right. And again, I think car crashes are a great metaphor for working together as, as, as crazy as that sounds. Here's why cars crash. Someone doesn't know the rules. They don't understand the rules. There are no rules. If you've ever driven in Rome, Italy, you know there's very few rules on the road. Um, someone blows off the rules or they're not aware. And so those rules are constraints, and those constraints are really healthy, necessary boundaries so we know where is the edge. And I'm going to suggest that every great band, just like every great team, gets to a place where they go, well, this is where our edge is. And it's not something the leader decides. It's something that the group or the team decides and there's clarity around it because uh, if you don't know where the edge is you will you will tiptoe and you will not get to it and that's where I think the greatness happens and then finally this idea of what's collaborative so it's subjective so what's collaborative to you and what's collaborative to anyone listening and, and myself very very different so there's a complexity that I think we have to at least recognize for starters but I think here's a very simple, idea, and thought for everyone listening as a starting place. Collaboration requires alignment. So if you are working with somebody else, one or more individuals, and you're not aligned, then from our point of view, you're not collaborating, you're cooperating. And what happens when you cooperate is you get the meeting after the meeting. And the reason you have the meeting after the meeting is because People didn't have the voice because the conditions didn't exist. They couldn't contribute to the conversation in a way that was healthy and meaningful. And so now they're going to leave the meeting and they got to tell somebody. Mm. That's why it happens.
0: It, it, it's true. It happens. Uh, I'll speak for you know myself. Uh, you've experienced it. Every listener today listening has experienced it at some point. So can we, can we like maybe even just break that down even a little simpler? So collaboration, requires alignment and if you don't have alignment yes. you just have cooperation right i want to i want to really get distinctive on this point i think for a moment here because cooperation it, that's measurable right like i i can measure if people are cooperating because i can sit there and observe what's happening on it at least it's it, it's at least observable right cooperation cooperation yeah like i i could i could trick myself as a manager or or leader in looking at a team and looking what's happening in room to say, Oh yeah, that, you know, these, these folks are, are cooperating together <laughs> and, and feel, and well, feel like I'm doing, doing what I need to do. I mean, couldn't I? Yeah.
1: Well, cooperating might be uh, adjacent to just getting along. So I'm a leader and I'm looking, okay, well, everyone's getting along or they're, or they're working together, but the devil's advocate, without- isn't,
0: isn't that, isn't that what I want? I want everybody getting along.
1: So it's getting, well, I think getting along is part of it. So let me, let me give you another, uh, another way of looking at this. So if you've ever watched any crime drama shows like law and order or CSI, right, there is generally in this script, a part where somebody is sitting in an interrogation room with a light shining in their face and interrogating officer says, all right, I say, all right, Devin We're looking at, you're looking at 20 to life. If you don't. Blank. What's the word they use? Cooperate. That's right. Do they ever say, hey, Devin, really need to collaborate and really need you to collaborate with me here? You know why? So in that moment, that cooperation, it's actually uh, in economics, and game theory, it's what we call a zero sum game. Mm -hmm. In order for one to win, the other must lose. So I'm going to suggest that in cooperation, you are in danger of the zero sum game and you can like each other. Right. All day long. But not move forward together. So. So when we talk about alignment, though, I think we have to talk about a, a couple of different things. So there's strategic alignment. Right. On an organizational level. And it, and to go back to my band world, you know, um, are we all making the same record? Right. So there's something that happens like, hey, here's the strategy. Now everyone's going to go down and we're going to get to that middle layer. Now everyone's going to start writing songs for what they think this album is. And holy cow, are we going to get off course? Right. right? So there's that there's, so there's strategic misalignment. And then there's just plain old fashioned telephone game, um, tactical operational misalignment that is happening. And, you know, for those of you listening, you know, if you want to really know how uh, pervasive the communication problem is in this world, just next time you go through a drive-through, uh, or the next five times you go through the drive thru I'm going to make a bet that um, at least one of the times you're going to get your wrong order. And it's not because people aren't intelligent who are working in in those uh, fast food restaurants. It's because there's too many distractions. And neuroscience says uh, all kinds of neuroscience says, yeah, we can't multitask on nearly the level that we think we can. And so we're living in this world and environment where we have more. Uh, opportunities to be pulled out of alignment than to be aligned. So so the real opportunity for us in an organization or a team is, is to get everybody thinking under the terms in real time, hey, when I go in today, before I ever walk in the door, there's going to be like just the way gravity works, I'm going to get pulled out of alignment. So my job is to be on the lookout for when we're out of alignment. So we're not getting way far down the road and to where it's too late. So there's some so that's the tactical skill building that we that we teach as well. So how do you set up a cadence, right, to make sure hey we came together, we're making this record, we're aligned, okay. Now all these other things have happened, whether it's side conversations or hey this person had this person this, yeah, a meeting with this person. How we share information is part of alignment. Um, how we process information, how we perceive information, the pace at. Which you run and someone else runs is another reason for us to be misaligned. So that complexity is just not being talked about or realized, and it's thumping us in the forehead yeah, so, on so, a regular basis.
0: <laughs> I think I realize now why nobody taught me how to collaborate because it is complex, uh, and not not most don't understand how to to get there. No cooperation, and you, I, you can kind of teach. And and I was playing devil's advocate with the question earlier, yeah, but, but because. It is an, an, an easy place to, without the right thought or or observation of your current condition and your desired condition, it's an easy place to assume that cooperation equals that people are working together. And the truth is, in cooperation, just like in an environment that is maybe you know diverse in thought, diverse in um, the makeup of the people and even inclusive doesn't necessarily mean that everybody has a voice in cooperation. I can be silent and a cooperator, right? I I can just sit back and nod and agree and even just do it, even though I might have input that is so valuable to driving forward our mission.
1: Oh yeah. And so you just, you actually just touched on perhaps the most important piece on a human level when it comes to alignment, which is voice. So I believe that every, almost every human being wants to be heard. I know that, for instance, if I, when I had problems in the band, it's because someone wasn't being heard. I know that if my wife and I are having a, a disagreement or things are getting, get unsavory, it's because somebody is not being heard. But here's what's so crazy. When we talk about everyone having a voice, people go to this really Uh, semi-delusional idea of, well, if everyone has a voice, we'll never get anything done. But having a voice and the decision-making process, they are two different ideas. Mm. When you have constraints and boundaries and rules of the road, that's table stakes. And that's just the normal way of of being and doing. But when you just hear the word, well, everyone's going to have a voice. It's going to be anarchy. We'll never get anything done. And so, I think what's so crazy about the voice piece is this isn't just about the obvious, well, someone's loud in a meeting and overpowering and they're a type A and, and there's, this person's an introvert. No, no, no. That's not how we're losing our voices. Right. We're losing our voices in much more pervasive, unseen ways, but equally felt. So for instance, we had one client who they literally did this huge change and everybody that was impacted the most never had any say so whatsoever. And then they all started going crazy and raging against the machine and everyone at the, in the ivory tower at the top of the organization is like, well, we, we, we put out the memo, we told everybody that this is what it was going to be. Right? So, so there's that piece. The other thing is the thing that is really destroying voice. Is the speed of business? So let me give you a great example. For some of you leaders out there who have your one-on-ones to uh, you know with your direct reports, if if you're one of those people that, especially maybe like in a revenue generating position, uh, if you're one of those people that maybe three, four, five, six one-on-one meetings in a row, you have to move because you are trying to close the next deal. Uh, to make everyone happy or to get your bonus uh, you 're taking away your direct report 's voice because for six times in a row, maybe six weeks or whatever it is every week they're they 're getting ready to get up to the plate to go here's here 's where I need help here 's where I think I have ideas here 's where I think I can create value and really uh, increase my level of contribution and men you 're not there. <laughs> And that's, and after a while, people will eventually, if they can't contribute or they don't have a voice, they will vote with their feet and they will find another place, whether it's another workplace, it happens in personal relationships,
0: Sure, they'll look someplace else. Well, and even before that happens, during the process of evaluating and determining whether or not to vote with your feet, comes a disconnection from the environment you're around. Your sense of belonging has completely vanished if there, there was any of it uh, before that, and you no longer feel that this is an environment that you can add value, that you can contribute, and the purpose of your work or the impact to a greater good, if you will, or greater mission than just the objective laid out in front of you is lost or or is at the very least not understood as a direct result or a direct reflection of that. So, I mean, I, maybe to boil it down in the simplest terms, trust is eroded in the entire yes. apparatus because of that inability to have a, a voice or um or feel truly like you're collaborating in a way that that is meaningful and has an impact
1: yeah and and, and this is going to sound super crazy to some of your listeners and uh some of you are going to laugh some of you are going to go this guy's full of it uh i don't believe for one second that there is any war on talent i think there are a few places and a few pockets so like I was living in Santa Cruz, California and being close to Silicon Valley. And like I can see there maybe because it's just so competitive and dangling the carrots in a way that people are jumping all over. But this idea of a war on talent, which is why can't we retain, why can't we attract top talent? And, and you know, people are leaving organizations. They're firing themselves, you know, from corporate America in search of something better, some level of freedom and sovereignty, which is where they can have a voice and where they can contribute in a way that's meaningful to them. And it's, it's profound, you know, create a place where people want to be and they won't leave.
0: Yeah. Imagine that. And, you know, the listeners here know all too well, my story, uh, which is a, a little bit of that exact phenomenon, not necessarily leaving, um, you know, an organization that doesn't have some good values in there, but just realizing and identifying that, there's something different that aligns closer or better. And um, and if we can not only just attract and retain, to your point, but it's okay to live in a workforce that – in a world where workforce has some transient qualities to it. So many people who leave a job after a year or two, particularly early on in their careers, are just looking – to move from one successful environment to another to gain a new set of thinking and to gain a new set of skills and approaches as you progress in your career, maybe that changes. But early on, yeah, why not? So, so what? Instead of fight to keep somebody around who who really wants to get value out of you, why not create an environment where they have upped their game to such a high level that they're going to take it? Yeah, maybe to a competitor but they're going to love everything about the job that they just left. They're going to recommend everybody they know who's looking for the next opportunity to yeah. you. Right. So there's this idea of embracing do what's right now for people and for the business and trust that it's going to continue to pay dividends beyond this short little short sighted measure that we might look at like retention. That's that, that's a, a metric an important metric, right. but it's one of, Many that we have to consider because it is a holistic approach from my perspective and, and what we talk about a lot here.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting that also it, I think one thing maybe that's worthy of note is um, you know when people jump ship, uh, it's a very interesting idea. We we've seen a lot of uh, a, a lot of uh, the work that we've done with some clients. You know, we always tell them, "buyer beware," because. There are people that you called rock stars that you're not even going to want in the dressing room with you Mm. after after that. Yeah. And there's going to be people that you didn't give much credit for that are going to blow you away and just produce hit after hit after hit once they're uh, allowed and the conditions exist. But you get people that, uh, especially when they get a little further in the career and they go from one place where collaboration or getting stuff done or the values are very different and they bring that well this is how i was successful at this company and now i'm coming to this company and man they are just they're bull in a china shop and they're it's, it's all force they're mm-hmm. literally like how they navigated successfully their entire career was force. force is met with resistance but depending on how you are and where you are if it's kind of kill or be killed, like prison style in in an organization, and I know that sounds egregious, but I've, I've seen a few of them. Oh, yeah, then that sort of behavior is rewarded. Like, hey, let's let's throw them to the lions and let them let like whoever like it's Darwinism, and there are, there are still there are there are CEOs that still actually believe in that in that way of thinking. Like I've have seen it, and and in the 21st century, it's it's really crazy, and the, and the question becomes like from a talent perspective of like what's fit. And so, and what is collaborative? Hey, what did you call
0: collaborative when you were at company X?
1: Oh yeah. Well, that's not what we call collaborative here. That's like, that's a behind the music special. Yeah. That's not going to fly. Which is
0: why the alignment is so important to, to eliminate any of the guesswork there. Right. And, and, and you're, and you're right. The, there are CEOs that operate an entire culture of their entire organization with that. um, I don't even know if it's outdated as much as it's just ineffective mindset. Yeah. And, man, I hope they're listening. Um, I, I, and I hope one of you who's listening, who has the uh, wherewithal and the sense of maybe empowerment and, and belonging in your own world, to share that with one of your friends or colleagues who might be able to benefit from that way of thinking. That would be uh, beyond a tremendous asset for, uh, for any organization to just open up this dialogue this way of thinking a little differently redefine or better define things that we've come to understand a certain way that haven't yielded the result we're looking for
1: yeah I'm I, I also just gonna suggest that you know collaboration gets pigeonholed but you know when we but when we expand the idea of collaboration to alignment alignment feels good to everybody we all know we all go fast and we we're in the groove and everything's great when we're aligned and so it has this it actually has the, uh, an incredible net effect. So, you know, so when we talk about like, let's, let's maybe recap a few things that we've been talking (laughs) around this idea of alignment. Right. So we've been talking about how it impacts talent, right? We've been talking about how it impacts engagement. We're talking about voice and contribution. We're talking about how it impacts culture. We're talking about how it impacts retention. And so, That is a big idea. But if you just said to somebody and showed up in an organization, get great at collaboration, it's going to help check the box to solve all these things, you get looked at like you were just let out of a loony bin. And so that that is, that's the real strategic value in the exercise. Productivity, efficiency, uh, uh, engagement, all these things we say we want. But that, oh my gosh, we are doing everything, everything on the opposite end to actually help that be.
0: So, how you mentioned earlier the collaborative harmony index that you and and Doc, uh, Doc Sullivan, Doc Sullivan uh, worked on. And that's become the backbone of essentially helping make sure that you can deliver the content that is valuable into an organization um, and for all the listeners who are listening right now this is a good time to uh, take a quick pause and um, note this don't literally pause um, and note this uh, Alan has been incredibly generous to offer for all the belonging factor podcast listeners the ability to take the collaborative harmony index is that is that it um, yes. Take the Collaborative Harmony Index for yourself at no cost to get a little bit of understanding. So, can you just share a little bit more about that with the listeners? Because I I think this is amazing and really appreciative that you've made this available at no cost for everybody.
1: Yeah, sure. And and so here's here's what I have to preface by saying, yes, it is a diagnostic. I do not, and we at Banding do not consider ourselves to be in the diagnostic business. This is the behavioral engine that drives a larger system of alignment and and collaboration. But really, it's going to tell you three things. First thing is how you sound to others when working together. And it's based on famous recording artists. So it is a whole lot of fun. It is very easy. It is very intuitive. It is very actionable. Uh, The second thing it's going to tell you is how you can most contribute to the collaborative sound through for you learning folks four collaborative competencies, we call them the collaborative instruments. So some of you listening are virtuosos when it comes to purpose or trust. For some of you, you might be virtuosos at execution or energy. For some of you, some of those things are not your jam. Some of you might be solid performers, and that's really what we're going to be measuring. And so how you maximize contribution in the third part is something we call sour notes. And these are these are behaviors that are the equivalent of being behaviorally out of tune, right? So if you are playing those notes, or someone on your team is playing those notes, someone's getting slowed down, someone's not being effective, and in some cases, someone's probably getting a little ticked off. And so that's that's the output. Uh, it is uh, served up in a very music-centric skin uh, and language to help people remember. And it is, uh, it's a lot of fun. I hope you'll check it out.
0: So uh, we'll have the link down in the uh, in the show notes in the episode description here. Uh, we'll also make it available on uh, belongingfactor.com. And, of course, we'll also have some posts up on Twitter linking this as well. So get on Twitter at belongingfactor and check that out. Uh, of course, you can you know, check out a little bit more about what Alan and his folks are doing at his uh, company's website, bandingpeopletogether.com. But this is, this is an amazing tool. And, and again, I had the benefit of going through an iteration of this at one point. And um, I'll, I'll just tell everybody right now, I'm, I'm a Frank, but I think I have some Gaga in me. Although when I took it, I must not have, but I do now, uh-huh. now that I've changed careers a little bit. And I think that actually this could be a really important thing to talk about. As you change teams, or you change jobs, is there um, is do do other parts of your personality start to take a little bit more predominant portion of of what's happening in your life or how you're approaching situations?
1: Yes, uh, that you know that's a that's a great question. And and for for clarity, there's a, a few different parts of this. So the first part of it, you know, our collaborative voices—that's all personality. Right, that's really hey. This is this is the personality wiring, and that's speaking to how you communicate. The, the lens of you know how you show up, pace, all that kind of mm. stuff. The other, the second part is really speaking to collaborative skills. Right. Okay. So so it's a it's a combination, and and what we've found is personality alone is not enough. So just yeah. knowing that your spirit animal is a wolf, chicken, or that you're most like Khloe Kardashian is not really enough in the alignment game, right? Um, but what I will say is, uh, and anyone who's experienced behavioral methodology and frameworks has probably heard, you know you might be one you might show up one way at work, another way at home, uh, whether you're in a remote role, whether you're you know immersed in a, in a team like physically, uh, every day, um, you might be one thing when you're under stress or deadline, you might be something else. and and I will tell you this I have um, I have definitely evolved. You know, um, my my personality actually changed, which, you know, I fight with the scientists about, you know, they believe that everything's supposed to stay the same. And I was like, well, behavior change is like change is change and and we're supposed to evolve. And so I I get I get (laughs) I get in a lot of uh, very passionate debates with people about, you know, the consistency and it's not supposed to change. I'm like, yeah, I believe it is supposed to change. That is part of the complexity of humanity. We change. And while there's some very core rooted personality things that are happening, look, my, I'll tell you this, my friends, my former bandmates, my wife especially, would, uh, would, would thank the heavens every day that people are able to overcome some of their personality things that aren't so great and, and actually evolve. So I'm, I'm living proof. <laughs> so that's why when I go toe to toe with the academics, I'm like... Well, how's that working for you so far? Right. Because if you're telling me that I'm supposed to be, I'm an ENTJ and that means I'm an ENTJ or whatever it is, then I don't buy it. I just don't buy it because it's not in my experience, you know, with, with transformational change, uh, you got to be open to allow it to happen and to say, yeah. well, you're this and you've been told your whole life you're this and you're never going to be anything but this. I'm not so sure that's the best way to go.
0: And so that's on personality and behaviors, obviously, because behaviors is the thing that we try to influence and work on as leaders, having an impact and creating that situation where people can shine and, and bring their pieces together. And so this is where maybe we get into a, a a bit more topical and possibly even a controversial approach to some of the discussion around things like diversity and inclusion and belonging and how those things can work both in harmony, but also where some of those are, we, we just, maybe, maybe we get them wrong in execution or, or or companies have a approach or standard that is being set that doesn't necessarily align with what the desired outcome is. What are some of your thoughts, your experience, and what can you share on that?
1: Well, I'll tell you, you know, the diversity and inclusion, uh, idea is it's a big one. Um, I, I've been very outspoken in the past. I, I believe that the diversity and inclusion conversation is maybe sometimes hijacked simply by, hey, how do people look and how are different people in, in, in the aesthetics and, and what we can see? I think that the real the real value of diversity and inclusion is diversity of thought. And the real value inclusion is leveraging that diversity of thought for uh to amplify the collective intelligence and like really really being able to see beyond yourself to know that wow someone is coming from a completely different spot spiritually you know philosophically spiritually religiously intellectually uh culturally whatever And, and it's the totality of that combined with the totality of whatever I got going over here, that when we can put that together in some way, the output, it, it's, it's synergy. It's its the, you know, the sum is greater than its parts. And I think that in organizations, there's a lot of force around it right now, and force is met with resistance. So I think we might have overshot the runway a little bit, um, and I think that belonging You know, I I think it's easy for maybe the quintessential type A types to even look at a word like belonging and and be dismissive or inclusion and be dismissive. 100 percent agree. And and um, but there's not a human being, even the toughest, that don't want to belong. I mean, look, and this is an extreme. People go people join ISIS, people join gangs, people joined because they want to belong. Because they're overcome. Even the toughest, hardest criminals going to prison, the first thing they do is even for safety to scratch that or to check the box for Maslow's hierarchy of needs of survival is I got to find where I can belong. Oh, yeah. So so that is a powerful human idea since the beginning of time that is not going to go away. And and it is a shame for that, you know, that narrative to be dismissed because. Really, as we try and get to this place where, hey, we're trying to create a workforce where people want to be so we can create more value for everybody. Um, if you're not belonging and you're not and there's not the right level of inclusion, then again, you're not going to stick around.
0: Yeah, I, I, I was trying to find in my head as you were talking through that the ability to create a link to alignment and belonging being synonyms. And I don't know that I can fully you know, get behind that. I was trying really hard to see if I could get there. Yeah. However, yeah, without being fully aligned in, you're not part of the community, so to speak, right? Uh, there, there's something that is creating an exclusion of that ability to 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 be part of that community because there is a misalignment. And if there's that, there's no way you belong. Even if you want to, there's no way you feel it. I think we, so
1: here's what I'm going to suggest. I think we can tie that together. I think there's one piece that actually ties those things together, uh, at least on a high level, which is shared purpose. Mm -hmm. I think so. So when you have, you could be wildly wired completely differently. I mean, look, look what happens. Look, go. Um, so we're in Atlanta. If you go to a Braves game, people are, you know, they're all different, but they're all there because, and what, what's their shared purpose? They want to see the Braves win. I went and saw the Who recently at Madison Square Garden in New York. Everyone was there. Like they're singing together. They are, you know, it's they are there. They couldn't be any more different.
0: Twenty-year-olds and seventy-year-olds and everything in between. Yeah.
1: So what does that tell you? So it doesn't tell you that our differences are what's keeping us from belonging necessarily. But those conditions are created, right? The conditions were created by that band, you know. And there it is. I mean, it's. we're we, we come pre-wired from the factory to want to feel that. And so at some point organizations, and especially all the, uh, HR folks, the stewards of the people are going to hopefully start thinking maybe a little differently about, you know, the conditions you Dave Grohl, uh, from the Foo Fighters and, and his, uh, they have a, a documentary called Sonic Highways. It's and, uh, the first thing he says in the trailer is I believe that the environment drives the musical results. And what I'm going to challenge everybody listening is whether you're an individual contributor, whether you are a leader, what you know, whatever level, what is your responsibility for dry, for creating the environment to drive that musical result? The magic that you say you want, what are you doing to help it? But more importantly, what are you doing to hurt it? That's that's the question to ponder.
0: Uh that this is like the perfect place where we should have a like a little music bed and pe- let people just start thinking about this. So I guess they could pause this for a second and head over to yeah. their their iTunes and, and do that on their own and then come back when they're ready to to drive it home. That That is such a, a critical and important point because we all have the same responsibility to bring ourselves into that. And regardless of role, regardless of title, uh, regardless of experience, we all have not just a responsibility, but something to share that others find value in that will help bring us closer and better together in alignment to be able to, to achieve that. And when somebody understands you, when your voice is heard, like, you know, it's heard, not just out loud. Somebody happened to vibrate their eardrum, but it's, it's heard. There's almost no greater feeling than that. That's it. And that, that helps align around the purpose.
1: Cool. Yeah. Well, in that moment, in that moment, you're, you're truly aligned. You know (laughs) that you are aligned. Like, you're on the same page. It's like the day that my wife and I, after 20 something years ago, finally got aligned around our ideas about budget.
0: <laughs> Couldn't feel bad, any better. Right.
1: That's what might be one of my greatest alignment uh, accomplishments as a human being.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think we're we're still working on that in my house. Um, mm-hmm. Cool. So um, let's let's run down a few things here because again, we talked about a lot and I appreciate your recap earlier about framing this around the talent engagement, culture and retention because these are true issues that need solved within almost every organization at some level. And so so that that was a great place for us to to frame this and a great tool and again thank you so much for making this available to the the listeners here is the collaborative harmony index and to be able to take that as an individual and so that, uh, again, link in the description in the show notes, you can find that. Click it, take it. Uh, Alan and his team have actually even gone a step further. You're not just going to get emailed results that don't have context. There'll be a little bit of analysis that uh, that happens of the results by a human to, to make sure that you have feedback that is in context uh, to what it is that you might be wanting to do or achieve for yourself with your team, with your organization, or just, you know, because you thought it was a fun idea and cool and you heard it on the show and want to see where you sit and, and who your uh, your voice most aligns with, your personality. But uh, but so that's a really cool tool and I think one that just helps further push forward this understanding of what we're all doing here. Listening to this podcast, thinking about how our lives and the lives of people around us can be different, better, and help people achieve more. What a, What a really cool tool to be able to do. So what else should we know do we need to talk about today?
1: You know, um, I I'd say the one other thing for some of those, uh, for some of you who might be listening and go, yeah, well, you don't know about my, my work environment, or you don't know about my culture. And, and, and I get asked this a lot and it can be really overwhelming. Um, make the impact where you can, you can't control anything externally, but you can control how you deal with the external. And that is, uh, that's part of your own freedom and sovereignty as a human being, and so make the impact where you can, and uh, and it's uh, it can it'll spread it'll spread like if you start getting to a place where um, you know you'll you'll start to. You'll pick up on the frequency, if you will, of like those that you can, you know, uh, work together with in a different fashion. And you and you might not know why. But now, maybe after the diagnostic, you, you actually might know why. And I'm going to suggest that it's not as a result of someone being exactly like you. It's just that there's a similar way of approaching. Right. And, and being truly open minded. And so, you know, think about the areas that you can impact, not the areas that you can't impact.
0: Ah, but it's so easy to focus on the things we can't control because it's easy to make an excuse about why it's not changing.
1: Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what's so funny? You know, I've I've been really fortunate. I'll tell you in this journey, I've had really a team of Yodas that have just sort of appeared um, along the way. And, and I feel like I've been carried through this and uh, they are pretty they're they're pretty rough uh with love on me and they'll say, Okay, I get it, you're special, you're unique, you're different. (laughs) Okay, Snowflake. They call me Snowflake, right? And it's like, yeah, and I'd say, No, but you don't understand. And I'm like, Yeah, yeah. But these are all patterns, right? Right. These are really repeatable patterns that are happening on an individual team and organizational level. And once you start to see the patterns, if you, you don't know to look for the patterns but if you start looking for the patterns, you start seeing them and you start seeing them over and over. And I mean, it's, it's really fascinating. Everyone at banding, like we, we use this in our households to, you know, with to align with our kids and our, and our spouses and, and our, in our, in our communities. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, all what what we're we're talking about here, while we might be, uh, looking through the context and lens of the workplace, you know, being human first. And this is just a very particular type of awareness to create alignment so that we can get in the groove, go faster, get more done, have less, you know, drama going on. Yeah. And so, and I will tell you what's in it, what's in it for everybody listening. If you fall into this rabbit hole is time, Mm. how to, how to shorten communication cycles, fewer number of meetings, Right. No more meetings about meetings. And I have not met too many people that are not interested in more
0: time. Uh, I think that's a a hundred percent take rate on that one. (laughs) Oh Mm -hmm. man. And what's so important is the best systems or methods are universally applicable. They're ones that, that have an impact regardless of situation, regardless of set segment of your life. Uh, work, personal, and they're ones. And th- the reason they are is that they are in some way repeatable. They are in some way scalable. They are in some way a process that can follow a linear structure and allow for the variations of personality or of uh, situation to still function within that structure. And uh, so, some of what you've talked about already with us fully aligns with that. And the work that that you and Banding does. Uh, it, it seems like it's clearly about identifying and delivering on that promise.
1: Yeah, and you know it's and actually, you, you bring up a, a really great uh, point about kind of process. So in, in my experience, what I, what we see and what I've seen is organizations kind of divide people in process into these two things. So like, hey, we want to be more efficient and we want to be more effective. So here's Lean Six Sigma and four disciplines of execution. Here's Agile and here's all these things, right? And on the people side, it's like, well, here's you know, Myers-Briggs and Crucial Conversations and Emotional Intelligence. Thing is, we live in both worlds, right? And so really, the systems thinking here at, at Banding and what the whole idea behind true collaboration is actually to build the bridge. So it's not this or, it's this and. People, you know, the people helping drive the process, uh, not the process necessarily changing the people. It's an interdependent idea and knowing full well that there are certain people that are wired to really be process centric. And some people that are really, you know, more kind of human soft skill centric, but it's, it can't be a, this, or it has to be a, this, and. And so that's why there's such disjointed, you know, um, things going on in organizations. I mean, I've been, I've facilitated, Project, you know, cross-functional project team sessions where the team lead comes in guns blazing with spreadsheets of tasks going here, are the date is everything I've already mapped out the plan. Well, and then someone raises their hand and says, I'm sorry, I don't understand why I'm in the room. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so, so it's, again, it's um, slowing down to go fast. And that's, that's also part of of alignment, you know, if you're going 100 miles an hour all the time, it's kind of hard to stay aligned. And so this idea that we can slow down to speed up is a big idea. As a matter of fact, I, I had the privilege and honor of doing a simulated Army Ranger training. Uh, it's, 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 this it was this thing called downrange with a guy named Kenny Thomas and a bunch of other special ops folks. Uh, Kenny was one of those guys that was in the, um, it, you know, Black Hawk down. Who okay. was in the fight in Mogadishu. Oh wow. And, uh, also a fellow musician, mm-hmm. really talented uh, artist, speaker, and one of his guys, when we were actually out there doing maneuvers and exercises, he said, Alan, on the battlefield, slow is smooth, and smooth is fast. Ooh. Right?
0: Slow is smooth, so, smooth is fast.
1: Yeah, so most of my job as a leader and as a CEO, and one to help get the most out of everybody, myself included, is I slow us down, so that we can all go faster.
0: Ponder that one, everyone. Ponder that one. (laughs) If that that doesn't sum up exactly why everything we talked about today is so crucial and so important, uh, I I don't know what does. I mean, that's perfect. So, um, Alan, this has been absolutely awesome to sit and talk today. And I know that our listeners will have a ton of value out of this. Let's remind folks again where they can get in touch with uh, you and your group if they would like to do more.
1: Yeah. yeah. So uh, you can catch us at, at bandingpeopletogether.com. Uh, also, for those of you who are on LinkedIn, uh, as as Devin knows, I uh, I, I spent a good time amount of time on there and, and – uh, Yeah, reach out. I'm just Alan Schaefer, uh, A-L-A-N-S-C-H-A-E-F-E-R. If uh, if someone wants to email me, uh, by all means, sometimes it gets a little crazy, but I'm just A-L-A-N at bandingpt.com. And uh, I'm I'm here to help.
0: Awesome, and, and, and that's true. Uh, I again speaking firsthand know know that last statement you shared to not be a line of BS, but an uh, actual truth. And so, uh, Alan's got a couple of cool things going on at Banding and a book coming out at the end of the year. And uh, so that one will be one for us to take a look at. I'm sure uh, Amazon bestseller. What, what's the title? Do you have a working title? Or you have a title here?
1: Yeah. So the working the working title title is True Collaboration: A Guide to Overcoming Workplace Insanity.
0: Oh, that's it. True Collaboration Guide to Overcoming Workplace Insanity coming out later in 2019 from Alan Schaefer. Find him at bandingpeopletogether.com. And of course, keep up with us. We'll have all the links for the Collaborative Harmony Index and for being able to connect with Alan. And uh, uh, of course, you can visit us, belongingfactor.com, Twitter at belongingfactor, and send an email. I love the feedback. I belong at belongingfactor.com. Alan, it's been an absolute pleasure And thank you so much,
1: man. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Maybe you've lost time and money or you're losing the wrong people. Or you just have a conflicted culture that's searching for the truth. Or it could be something like productivity loss and people are just stressed. Either way, perhaps we should talk. I'd love to work with you and share with you through my keynotes, highly engaging workshops, coaching and consulting services, how we can bring the power of belonging factor and the tools we've developed to your organization and meet these challenges with real solutions that involve people, refine process, and help you deliver better profits. So visit belongingfactor.com or rudimentsolutions.com today. Thank you for listening to The Belonging Factor, and I look forward to working with you and your teams.